That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Welcome, wizards and muggles, to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino, joined by the lovely Jessica Rhino. Hello! And we're going to be talking about Chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, titled Diagon Alley. Pretty excited about Diagon Alley. I was very excited. Even though we're it's, finally it's, diving in. It's not like a big action chapter, but it is. Uh, it's a it's a memorable one from the Harry Potter from Harry Potter lore. Uh, just going to Diagon Alley, and it's and Diagon Alley is something that's going to pop up quite a bit uh, later on in the story as well. In some pretty um, substantial scenes and pretty substantial uh, actions by some of the characters. It's kind of like a like a hub for it the is. visiting community. Sure. All your shopping needs in one place. Why not? So we pick up where Chapter 4 left off, which is Hagrid has come to the uh, uh, (laughs) fleeing Dursleys uh, along with Harry and finally found them in the shack on the rock in the ocean. Hagrid has a run-in with the Dursleys and basically says that he is there on behalf of Dumbledore and Hogwarts and wisens Harry up to his whole wizarding background. And we begin chapter five with the next morning. And I thought it was kind of cool, the symbolism that they had with the night before where it was so dark and so dreary and so rainy. And then the next morning, it's just like a perfect day. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a brand new beginning for Harry. It is. That is cute. Yeah, I kind of... I. And I don't know if that was intentional by by J.K. Rowling, but I, it, there was a couple things in here that I kind of saw as, as as symbolism. That, and the other one that I noticed was we had the owl comes uh, tapping on the window with a newspaper in his claw. Harry lets the owl in. The owl drops the newspaper on Hagrid. And, of course, the owl, uh, Harry thinks that the owl is just picking apart Hagrid's coat, but he's really... Wanting to get paid. Yeah, he just wants to get paid. <laughs> he's like, uh, For no, services rendered. <laughs> I'm not going back without payment. So he's really, you know, pecking through the coat trying to get his money. And Hagrid eventually kind of half wakes up and tells Harry to get out five nuts. Mm-hmm. Nuts. K-N-U-T-S. Yes. Which I guess are wizarding versions of nickels, quarters. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, the... Said bronze, right? So right. I was thinking pennies, but mm-hmm. five pennies seems a little, uh, a little seems like a really good deal for a newspaper. Well, they're a little behind in the wizarding world. That's true. Or maybe they just they they give people really good discounts. And it doesn't sound like there's anything smaller. So maybe it's not equivalent to a penny, but it is their smallest coin. Sure. Like a peso is the smallest currency in Mexico, correct? Mm-hmm. But that's actually worth. Is it several pesos to make a penny, or is it the other way around? No, it's several pesos. It's like a quarter. So it's several. It's usually four or five pesos, six pesos to make a dollar. Oh, okay. 
but it depends on where we're at. In the so that's like the like that would be shape. that's kind of like the smallest. They don't have anything smaller than a peso, which is equivalent to you know rough. They don't have anything as small as in currency as like a penny. No. So that's that's kind of a, a similar uh, comparison there. But the other thing that I that uh, the other thing that I saw that was kind of I don't know if it was reflective of like actual society is when Hagrid actually gets the newspaper and I just imagine, you know, somebody sitting at their kitchen table flipping through the newspaper and saying, oh, this government is just so corrupt and they can't do anything can't right. Can't do anything and, right. Yeah, messing got, everything up. Yeah. And and Hagrid is, is talking about uh, the Ministry of Magic and that's the first mention that we get of the Ministry of Magic mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the book so far. So... I just thought that was kind of interesting. That's just, you know, it's... Everything kind of has, you know, the mirror opposite in the wizarding world. You know, we've, we've, they've got their own money. They've got, you know, their own schooling. They've got... Their own government. Right. And... Their own ways of transportation. <laughs> but even in the wizarding community where you have magic and you could essentially have anything you want, really... Your community still has the same issues that the Muggle community has, mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas nobody's happy with the, the governing bodies and, and how they run things. But paying the owl his what he's due for for services rendered makes Harry realize that he he doesn't have money to get the things that are required, even though he's excited about the prospects of this brand new life that he's that he could have and going to to Hogwarts he doesn't have any money to get the the things that Mr. Dursley those crazy things that were on uh, his school supply list we're not talking about mm-hmm. like you know trapper keepers and, and pencil pouches and, and crayons and things like that uh, we got some some things uh, on this list that muggles would think are pretty darn nutty yes definitely and you know Harry knows just from his previous life with the Dursleys that they don't pay for anything for him. They don't buy things for him. They complain about how expensive he is to keep and, you know, all the hand-me-downs. And he wasn't even getting new stuff to go to school at the Muggle school. Yeah. He was getting... He was getting something. It was dyed in the dyed, elephant yeah. gray in the, in the, in sink. the sink. Yeah. More Dursley... Uh, Dudley hand-downs. Hand Dudley me-downs. Dudley me-downs? Dudley me-downs. Okay. Um, so he knows they're not going to pay for this, and mm-hmm. what's he going to do? And he's kind of also just waiting for something to ruin this for him. Yeah. Because it, everything gets ruined. And there's him. even at one point in the chapter where things get so outrageous that he thinks that maybe it's just an elaborate ruse mm-hmm. by the Dursleys just to mess with him. And in the beginning, he thinks it was all a dream when mm-hmm. he first wakes up. It's like, this isn't real. And even if it is, it's still going to get messed up and yeah. it's not actually going to happen. Or maybe maybe Dud, the thing Dudley wanted for his birthday was to mess with Harry really bad. So, so <laughs> was his Dur- birthday wish. The Dursleys cook up this elaborate you know, plan to just make Harry, you know, uh, string Harry along to make him think that he's, his life is great and then pull it all away from poof. him because that would be fun for them. But Hagrid says not to fret because Harry doesn't have to worry about having money on him now because they're going to stop by Gringotts which is the only wizarding bank and it is the most secure place to basically keep anything uh, Hagrid says outside of Hogwarts Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. I would think that Gringotts, by the way they describe it, is even more secure, secure. than yeah, Hogwarts. But Hagrid just has a thing for Hogwarts. Hogwarts yeah. is the best place in the world for Hagrid. So sure. I can see why he's kind of built it up in his mind. Yeah. So his statement not ne- might not necessarily be accurate, but that's how he feels. And they do have, you know, Hogwarts, to, to their credit, has all those wizards, and including the you know, most powerful Arguably the most powerful wizard, if we don't, if we discount, you know who, mm-hmm. uh, in Dumbledore. But uh, Gringotts uh, ca- kind of describe. I, I wrote a few things down, but kind of des- describe uh, some of the intricacies of of Gringotts. We know it's run by goblins. It's run by goblins. There's they've got the two doors to come in. They're both guarded. And by bowing goblins. Well, <laughs> I think you asked about that when we were reading it. I think it was just like like the doorman. At a Good fancy sir. restaurant or a fancy Good hotel, would open the door for you and give you a little bow, a little dog. I've not, never not had ahead. somebody bow to me when they opened the door. <laughs> but of course, I look the way that I do. I'm, I'm a oh, and how many fancy hotels have you stayed in? Uh, not a lot. Hey, Red Roof Inn count? No, I don't think they have a doorman. About, I don't think they have like a door. Uh, yeah, sometimes <laughs> the doors are all outside. So, sometimes <laughs> the doors like uh, kind of hanging off the hinges and they they can't really get to it. Ooh, that nasty one I stayed at. Yeah. Oh. Shout out to uh, Red Roof Inn, not a sponsor of the podcast. No, I used to stay at a lot of them when I was showing, but hey, man, uh, they've gone downhill. I mean, they've all been like remodeled, but they've all somehow gone downhill. I'm all about the bargain hotels. Just give me a, just give me a room. I don't even need a bed. Just give me a room. So no, no bowing doorman. Okay, so we've got you know sets of doors entering the bank. It's the biggest building too. He says it towers over all of the other shops. So it's this big like massive white building that just it just seems more permanent than the but, rest of the shops that he describes but it's actually underneath london yeah well the the building right. is on top but the vaults are underneath right so yeah then you get in these carts and go down to the vaults and you're winding through these caverns and they're saying there's dragons uh, guarding things. Freaking dragons. Dragons. You're not gonna you're not gonna wander in there and try and steal. We're not something. talking about like some uh, security guard, you know, you know, yeah. uh, dozing off uh, from time to time in his rocking chair. We got freaking dragons. Dragons. Now, Hagrid says he's never actually seen the dragons, but yeah, like, oh, that's what they say. Yeah, but I, there's there's uh, when they entered. The, the bank there was even like this almost this like poem on the on the door about, about thieves like, beware basically if you steal something you're gonna get it yeah you know so don't even try don't even try it's a very polite warning yeah it's a polite warning and say don't be dumb mm-hmm. you know you want to keep your stuff here that's cool we'll protect it for you because that's what we do but if you feel like taking something that doesn't belong to you uh, you're you're not gonna like the results no no Definitely not. So uh, we'll get into the actual the uh, underground of, of Gringotts because we're going to go down in some of the vaults uh, here in just a little bit. But on the way to Diagon Alley, we have to go through some muggle parts of town. Hagrid, of course, is getting some weird looks from from others uh, in town and, and on the train. Because, I mean, he's basically twice as big as everybody. And really hairy. Yeah. And he's not, like, just, like, a big, tall gentleman. He's... I think if he was, like, a normal-sized person and he was that hairy, <laughs> yeah, where people... you could barely see his face, just some mm-hmm. eyes and a mound of hair, I think you'd get looks, too. And I think that's a little bit more 
you know, whether intentional or not, you know, commentary from J.K. Rowling about just um, people having prejudice against other people. If you look different, people are going to treat you different. Yeah, and no matter if you're a powerful wizard or if you are, you know, somebody like Hagrid who has one of the more important jobs at, um, you know, the arguably the uh, best wizarding school in the world if because we, we haven't you know uh, fantastic beasts and where to find them they talk about the the American school and yes. there's kind of a little back and forth about which one is is better I forget what the American school was called um, I know what it is but I'm not even sure how to pronounce it yeah and they have I they have their own me, houses and, and everything and we'll get into that in a second here too but uh, the first place that we go to, before we can actually get to Diagon Alley, we go to uh, the Leaky Cauldron. Yeah, it's like the cut through. You gotta cut through the Leaky Cauldron to now, get there. Now, is the Leaky Cauldron, th- that's one thing that I, I wanted to ask you about because I couldn't, I, I couldn't know, understand exactly what they were, were saying. Harry was saying that if, if Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, he would have walked right past it. And then Harry was wondering if they were the only two people that could see it because there was people right across the street. Is there some kind of like enchantment on yes. this? Okay. Yes. So um, where the like muggles can't this see This becomes it? a regular occurrence in the books too, so you'll see this more and more. But yes, there's an enchantment on the leaky cauldron and the muggles can't see it. It's as if it's not there. They just skip, like you said, they skip from one shop to the next. They don't even see it. Um, but then as soon as Hagrid said it and pointed it out... It's one of those things you can't find it unless you already know where it is. They always have those kinds of little mysteries in stories. Well, once he said it and pointed it out to him, that kind of brought Harry into the loop, and he could see past the enchantment. Enchantment. So, and and the leaky <clears throat> cauldron is like a watering hole for wi- wizarding. It's people. a yeah, a little bar, and it's a an inn. Yeah, you go there, get a little nip. Little if nip. you want, maybe a. Uh, Get, you get too much nips. Yeah, you, can, you just you can sleep, it, sleep off it off upstairs. the next day. And um, I'm going to see if you if you made the same connection as I did. When when Hagrid walks in, what television character is he? Oh, is he Norm? He's Norm, right? He's Norm. He's Norm from Cheers. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that they watch <laughs> Cheers over there. No, that he's Norm. Across, he walks across in, the pond. <laughs> he walks in, and good good job on you. Good job to you for for. <laughs> Because normally you don't you don't get my humor. Even I, watched, after I watched Cheers. Fourteen and a half years of mar- marriage, uh, but Hagrid comes in and, and everybody knows him. Everybody's glad handing with him and the usual Hagrid and you know he's obviously is a frequent visitor. To I, I start to wonder culture. about Hagrid's habits in this in this chapter. Yeah, Hagrid has a probably has a a, a large ongoing tab. Yeah. At the Leaky Cauldron, well, he's a large man. He is. And he can take and in a large, lot. large man probably needs a lot of uh, uh, liquid uh, courage or liquid uh, refreshment, <laughs> so to speak. Not that that he requires any courage per se, but everybody knows Hagrid, and then they realize that they might actually know this boy who's with them, mm-hmm. and then they figure out that it's the famous Harry Potter, and people lose their freaking minds. Yep. Gotta get in line, gotta say something, gotta shake his hand. Yeah, just, some people get in line way. twice. Oh, this one lady's multiple times. Yeah. Like, she just keeps going it's around like, and getting in line I, I just imagine her, like, you know, at the free sample 
table at Sam's Club or something like that. She goes up and then she comes back with like a mustache on, or she comes back. Well, with I usually like... put my hair up or take my hair down. You're a classy. And sometimes lady. I'll move my, I'll take my glasses yeah. on. Or You're off a classy too. lady though. You like to get the the multiple well, uh, free samples. It's, if it's something usually good. when they're handing out the free gift cards at the bookstore. Mm. Shout out to half price. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Shout out to bookstores around the world. You just said the the title (laughs) of the place of the bookstore. Half price books will do promotions occasionally where if you show up, they'll give you a Mm -hmm. free five dollar gift. And you wonder why brick and mortar bookstores are going out of business. We got hooligans like you going through the line four times to get free stuff. I am a a loyal patron. Mm hmm. Other people are just walking by and they're like, hey, free gift card. Okay. So, you know, Harry Potter, and, th- and this is going to come up several times in the chapter, the fact that he's, especially at the end of the chapter, he he's kind of starts to have an identity crisis and the fact that everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who he is. The famous Ollivander at the, at the wand shop. Everybody in the Leaky Cauldron, everybody knows. Except for the obnoxious kid. Yeah. 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 Getting fitted for robes. That kid sucks, though. Oh, we know. We'll, we'll talk about him in a second. But he he doesn't even... He knows why. He knows the story behind it. But it's almost like there's already these unrealistic expectations on him to be this amazing wizard. And as of 24 hours ago, he didn't even know that wizards existed yes. in the world. Yeah, and he... You know, this is like exactly what Dumbledore didn't want him to get this influx of fame and everybody. And I'm pretty sure he didn't imagine it going this way. But, you know, Hagrid has his own way of doing things and he doesn't always think it through. I'm pretty sure Dumbledore would have been like, yo, why did you do that? Maybe six. Stick a mustache on him and hide him a little bit. Don't just go parading him through stick Diagon a, Alley. Stick a full-grown mustache on a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> Sombrero, something to hide his identity. Let's just parade him through Diagon Alley for everyone to gawk at. I would think the sombrero would draw more attention <laughs> than anything else. Maybe the sombrero with like the little fuzzballs hanging yeah, on yeah, it a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly what Put I was picturing. Put a couple of maracas in his hands. Yeah, and the mustache and... <laughs> and a little and a guitar, yeah. And he's part of a mariachi band all of a sudden. Why not? So you said that the uh, leaky cauldron was kind of like a pass through, and we go through the leaky cauldron into a small walled courtyard mm-hmm. with nothing but a trash can and a few weeds, and how it's described in the book. And Hagrid proceeds to tap on a certain brick or. He's, he's counting like three up, two across, or something like that. Yeah. And when he taps on that certain brick, all of a sudden the wall, uh, the brick opens up into a, an enormous arch that even Hagrid can fit underneath. And all of a sudden we are in the magical hidden Diagon Alley. Yeah. Magical hidden strip mall of the wizards? Yeah. <laughs> strip, strip mall to the wizard, wizarding stars. And we walk past all the shops. There's the broom shops, there's the cauldron shops, there's the shops where you get your robes fitted. But we gotta head to the bank first, where we're just inundated with bowing goblins. Just <laughs> the ones at the door. From, the one who, when he dumped his 
dog, moldy dog cookies. They were all annoyed. They were like, why do we have yeah, to deal with heading, you? But the ones at the door at least put up a, a show for being polite and, and appreciative of the business that the wizards have brought to them. So Hagrid approaches the desk, and the goblin at the desk uh, asks him for... Mr. Potter's key because they said they need to access his vault Mm -hmm. uh, to get some of his riches but they need his key and of course I'm just imagining Hagrid just you know emptying out like rubber chickens and all kinds of things on the desk and as you said how does the the goblin at the desk react to oh he's so annoyed he like wrinkles his nose and he's just like why do I have to deal with this person Goblin, you know, basically goblin, customer service anywhere yeah. in the world. Goblins seem like pretty classy, um, like pre- very formal. Just formal, by the, yeah, they like things nice and neat. Yeah, that's and everybody's Maybe a kinda, little OCD. Yeah, everybody's in uniform. Everybody has you know a certain exact way that everything is done. Even when we get down to the, you know, the underground of the of the bank, there's one speed that the that the trains go they don't to, to get you to your vaults they don't uh change it up depending on you know who's the passenger or anything like that mm-hmm. the the goblins seem to have everything down to a science and somebody like hagrid who just comes in all rough and grumble and just emptying his pockets out i mean because i've worked retail before and so have you mm-hmm. when somebody comes in and they're just looking for change in their pocket and they dump everything onto the counter and it's just, you're just thinking, like, what what life choices have I made to get me to this point where I'm dealing with this <laughs> this nonsense? And I think that's kind of what the goblin <laughs> are, uh, is thinking at that exact uh, moment. Uh, Hagrid also has other business at Gringotts. Official Hogwarts business. So explain a little bit about, uh, you know, we don't want to give away what exactly it is. it is but just kind of give the you know the general rundown well he has a letter from Dumbledore and he just slips that letter over to the goblin and says I need to get what's in Dumbledore's vault vault 713 vault 713 very famous vault and um, the goblin reads the letter over checks that everything is in order and that this hairy giant man is in fact there to retrieve it on Dumbledore's behalf so he just says everything seems to be in order and sends him off with another goblin and this business is so important that you know of course Harry wants to know what's in Vault 713 and Hagrid can't even tell him mm-hmm. he refuses to tell him and some line that I couldn't understand yeah it, it was very poorly worded line <laughs> something it's, about how my my job is more important it's more important than my job or it's worth more it's than his worth job. more than my job and we don't know if the thing in 713 or the the task that he's been dealt is more important we don't we don't really know we just know that this is like super top secret mission that Dumble, Dumbledore has sent Hagrid on it's worth more than, yeah he the way he worded it, I was just like wait a minute what what are you trying to say I mean, I know what he's saying. It's, it's more important than his job, but that's not the way it was worded, and it was confusing. And Hagrid even says that it's regarding 
you know what in vault 713 mm -hmm. and that's all that's all we know to this point so we're taking down a narrow passageway and we find train tracks with mine cars on them and they seem to just wind and wind and wind and wind and wind for miles and miles and miles. Making Hagrid very sick. Yes, in the process. Yes. <laughs> Hagrid, of course, is already uncomfortable because I'm sure they're not Hagrid-sized cars. Cars, no, definitely not. And then they're winding quickly, you know, through these miles and miles and miles of tunnels. And that was, we kind of get an idea of just the, the scope and size of, you know, the under layer of, of Gringotts. And yeah, Hagrid wasn't lying when he said it was massive and, Hag yeah. and all under London and went for hundreds of miles underground or whatever. He said, um, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't exaggerating. Mm -hmm. And Hagrid even mentioned that earlier when he was talking about how you would you don't want to steal from these guys. You don't if you even if you could get down there to steal something, you would you would starve to death before you found your way out of there. Mm -hmm. And Harry, when he's going, he remembers that. And when he's going, when they're going on the train tracks, he tries to kind of memorize. Tries he's like, to. okay, two turns left, one turn right. We stayed straight for, you know, five seconds. Then we turn right. And then they, they make so many twists and turns that he, he can't even process where he's at. So he just stops trying. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that just kind of gives you an idea of the, the enormity of, you know, the... The, the underside of, uh, of Gringotts Bank. So we're uh, through the twists and turns of the tunnel, no way to remember where we're going, and we reach Harry Potter's vault. Harry doesn't know what to expect, but when we open it, what do we find? Piles and piles of money. I want... Gold ones, silver ones. So, what? obviously left to him by his parents. Mm -hmm. Did his parents, like, also rob trains or something like that? No. Um, but the Potter is an old fa old wizarding family. We kind of touch on that. And they... They're old money. They're old money. Oh. That's Potter's, what it is. Potter's got some money. And he was an only child. And, um, yeah. That just seems like an awfully Lily married up. stockpile. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she did. Just like you. She knew how to pick them. Mm-hmm. I also have like a Scrooge McDuck stash of money somewhere, <laughs> but it's uh, it's uh, buried in in my backyard. Oh no, I just said that out loud. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So uh, apparently the Potters are loaded, and Harry realizes that man, it's a good thing I didn't like the Dursleys didn't know about this because I would have never I would have never seen this money. Nope, they would have. <laughs> Well, they wouldn't know what to do with it because it looks weird, but they would have figured it out. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they could have, like, uh, taken it, you know, because it's, it's obviously it's not, it's different currency than what the muggles use. And, and Hagrid even kind of ran into that when he was trying to, like, pay for the train, tickets, the train ticket. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is muggle money. Do I don't know this. what to do with this. And it's probably the exact same thing for, you know, the Dursleys if they ever got their hands on, on wizarding money. But I'm sure there's somebody that would you know gladly uh you know, cash, gold, that, yeah. cash that out for them for some because it's just a bucks. regular pawn shop somebody'd melt down the gold or the silver or something if you could even melt down magical uh, i don't know money, but I they would know. try oh i'm sure, I'm they, sure they, would. they would try i'm sure they would uh before we uh so harry gets uh just like a little bag a little bag of money 
little bag of cash. Yeah, and Harry says, that's that should last you a couple terms. <laughs> just like just like into you know, a little like uh, coin purse. Mm-hmm. A little you know, a little tiny satchel. Yeah, it'll last you a couple a couple semesters. And then we stop by Vault Seven Vault Seven Thirteen. And there's no key. No key. And how's how's the door open? Uh Grip Hook's finger. The goblin's finger. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of strokes the door. Just, yeah. Just gives a little pet. And the door just kind of disappears. And what did uh, he say would happen if anybody but a goblin tried that? They would get sucked inside. <laughs> and then Harry even asked, well, how often do you check to see if somebody got sucked inside? And is it, you said Grip Hook? Grip Hook. Grip Hook says, oh, about every 10 years. We check to see maybe if there's a bag of bones in there. Yeah, some pile of bones. And, and I, you know, I bet every once in a while somebody probably, probably does try. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while they go in there. Oh man, got another one. <laughs> you know, and they probably have you know a, a set of goblins that come down and are responsible for disposing of the bones. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what the process of. of I'm that sure is in like. their break room they've got like a you know so many days since. Or how many how many bodies they found the last time they checked? You know, I sure. have those in the break room. Yeah, just like a little like they keep like uh, tally marks on the wall, mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe one of those signs like like 17 days since our last accident. And it's like seven years since we last found a body. Oh, we got to go back to zero. We found we found a body <laughs> in uh, in Vault 713. Uh, so there's, you know, Harry's kind of wondering if if my vault, which is just like a regular key vault is filled with gold and silver. Man, what's in 713 that he can't even talk about? And what's in 713? A whole lot of nothing. Yeah. It's empty except for one little brown paper package. Yeah, it said a grubby little package wrapped in brown paper and Haggard took it and I think put it inside One his of coat. his multiple pockets. Yeah. And um, Hagrid, of course, as you said earlier, might have some... We, we learn a lot about Hagrid here because in the 10 minutes that they were at the bank, he's already ready for another uh, nip at the leaky cauldron. Well, not another. He didn't have one because he was on official Hogwarts business. <laughs> yeah, I like how he goes from, like, official Hogwarts business to, <laughs> so like, I gotta go. all right, I've done 10 minutes of official business, and I have not had any alcohol. <laughs> That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. So uh, Hagrid heads back to the Leaky Cauldron and leaves Harry to head into uh, the rope shop. I have a quick question. So if you were to go on a roller coaster, Mm. say 20 times in a row, I'm sure that's not equivalent to what they did, you got off feeling a little sick. Yeah. First thing you do is go for alcohol. I don't drink, (laughs) so I don't know these things. Is that that really going to help? I don't think so. I (laughs) I think that would make you feel worse. Like, I would think maybe go to the apothecary and maybe get uh, some wizarding tums. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a much better plan. Some wizarding Alka-Seltzer. We know there's an apothecary there. Mm -hmm. We can go go there and uh, get some kaopectate or something like that. (laughs) Something to calm your tummy down a little bit. Like slug eyes to stick under your tongue or something. Yeah. That's Uh, probably the equivalent. But no, um, Hagrid needs... needs, uh, Something, a little nip, nip of something, and so he leaves Harry to go to the robe shop, and we meet a boy there, mm-hmm. curious boy, who is also getting fitted for his robes, 
and they're kind of having small talk between the two of them. Going to Hogwarts? Yeah, I'm going to Hogwarts. They don't exchange names or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, this boy's just rubs rubs me the wrong way. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's just a jerk. He's a little snooty. A little snooty. <laughs> he's very snooty. He's a lot snooty. He's a lot snooty. And he's just going on and on about... I don't know why they don't let first-year students bring racing brooms with them. I'm going to see if my father will get me one, and I'm going to smuggle it into Hogwarts. Uh, actually, he says he's going to bully his father gonna, into ah, getting him one. So he's one of those kids. One of those kids. And Harry a, even says that. He he's a Dudley. He's, me and Dursley. I think him and Dudley Dursley would be, would be very good friends. And he's going on and on about, this is the first time we hear about Quidditch. Quidditch. Which is going to come up quite a bit. Harry's uh, just sinking because this boy keeps mentioning all these things he doesn't understand. I like how he perks up, though, when he does say something he knows. He's like, Hogwarts? Yes, I know what Hogwarts is. Yes, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, getting fitted for your robe? Yes, my robes at Hogwarts. The magical school. <laughs> for wizards because yes, I'm a wizard. Yes, for wizards, which is what I am and what my parents were. But we, we get a lot of things that, that Harry had no no knowledge of before then. He didn't know about Quidditch. He didn't know that there were houses, Different houses within yeah. Hogwarts. We, we um, And preferred ones at that. And the only ones we, have, we hear in this chapter are Slytherin and Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the boy is talking about how well, I'm, of course, going to be a Slytherin because all of my family, who are all wizards, they were all Slytherin. And, oh, could you even imagine if you were a Hufflepuff? Oh, how... I don't know. Can you imagine being a Hufflepuff? Being a Hufflepuff's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. It's like, you know, first of all, you have, like, you have low expectations. So, like, anything you do is, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. And so there's there's that. Um, what's wrong with being loyal and what's wrong with being kind and what's wrong with being compassionate and what's wrong with being patient? What's wrong with those things? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And you have Oh, yeah, you're right. It's much better to be a Slytherin and just be flat out. Every sorcerer who's ever gone evil just happens to have been in Slytherin, which is what Hagrid says. I'm not says. in support of the Slytherin. I'm just amused by your... Hufflepuffness. Well, me and your two dogs here are, are all Hufflepuffs, so you must have a thing for Hufflepuffs. I guess I do. I guess you do. So we don't get to, to meet uh, your house yet. We don't we don't hear any mention of no, the Ravenclaws. Mentions the Ravenclaws. Or the, the Gryffindors. Nope. Which is, you know, the majority of our main characters will end up being in uh, Gryffindor house. But this kid is just, just he's just very... Um, Seems like he's had everything, kind of silver spoon in his mouth, you know, kind of given everything, um, you know, kind of had his his way in life planned all out for him, which is the exact opposite of what Harry mm -hmm. has dealt with. Well, and you were talking about the mirror images at the beginning of yeah. the story. This, this is, is the yin and yang right here. And so he left... He's leaving the muggle world and going into the wizarding world, and yet there's another there's, one there's who's a Dudley just Dursley. like his cousin. And he just, it, it's its a whole new world, but you know what? It's the same thing. The same problems. <laughs> but there are jerks in this one, too. Yep. And then we get 
thrown right in, or Harry gets thrown right into the whole prejudice yeah. in this world, too. Uh-huh. You know, we're talking about uh, Mr. Dursley, how he was, oh, their kind, their kind, not one of those kind. Mm-hmm. And now we're into finding out that there's, it's not even just muggles and wizards, it, there's even amongst the wizards, there's prejudice, too. Yeah, you would think that the, the wizarding world, like I said earlier, in a world of wizards where you could essentially have anything you wanted, you could you could have world peace. You could have all of these um, high high arcing you know goals that the regular world has. You could have essentially the perfect community or world because you have magic <laughs> to do anything. But no matter how much power or how much magic you have, they're still good. They're still evil. They're still so bullies. There's yeah. There's still uh, a class system of, um, and and the the boy in the in the shop even talks about it, how his family is pure blood wizards. All of them were wizards. We should stick with the old families. Yeah, and they allow in. He said they shouldn't even allow in the. The families for that uh, aren't you know pure wizarding families. So, kind of describe how that works. Is it is it kind of like you know I remember doing the little box chart like in science class, where like you pass on like traits from like the mother and the father. Mm-hmm. So we got to think of old timeies time again where we've got like the noble families mm-hmm. and they all like marry each other sure. and keep it all within this core group. So you've got the old wizarding families, which are like your noble families. And then you got the people who are like, screw that, I want to marry who I want to marry. Mm-hmm. And they marry outside of it. So they marry a muggle. And then, you know, you've got so the children who have a wizarding parent and a non-wizarding parent. Mm-hmm. And then you've got some that are, like they touch on uh, Lily, she was born to muggles. That's what, I, that's what that's what that's what I wanted to, to ask have you. Yeah. Wizard, wizarding abilities. But does that mean that she had at some point in her lineage a wizarding relative, or can just anybody be born uh, with wizarding abilities? I, and if you don't know for sure, I just like kind of what's your impression? I don't know for that? sure, but I'm I'm leaning towards the yeah somewhere. Okay. In their lineage, there was somebody like maybe grandma. And she kept it secret, and yeah. so and the family didn't really know because she was the only one. She married into a family, and it's like my brother always brings up the fact that 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 rhinos are like one sixteenth like Native American, <laughs> and so you know it's it's almost like uh, there's at some point in our lineage we could go back. And there might have been a full-blooded, like, Native American. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when when that gets passed on from generation to generation, a little bit of that gets passed on. But it's not the, it's not the majority of what is being passed on. So, yeah. But there's always a chance. If you have that somewhere in your bloodline, there's always a chance that you may, even if it's like a 1% chance, even if you're like 1 100th wizard, you know, there's a chance that you could have that passed Pop on up, yeah so it could be you know muggle parents could 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 conceivably 
pass it on. And like the boy's saying, the boy in the shop, he's saying they don't even know anything about it until mm. they get their letter. So Could they... you imagine what that would be like to not know anything about wizarding until you got that letter? And that and Harry sinks even further. Yes. There. Just keeps, his robes are going to be totally the wrong size. Yeah, because he keeps sinking. He keeps, <laughs> keeps turtling up in his robes there. Yep. Uh, speaking of prejudice, the boy sees Hagrid, and Hagrid's got his two ice cream cones, and I just imagine this real, like, excited and this big look. smile, and just, like, like plastered what I got? to the look window. Look I got, Harry. I got us ice cream, but I can't come in there because I got ice cream, and it'll get her on the robe. So once you're finished with the robe, just come I'll get on out. i so much and, trouble. And we're going to eat ice cream. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, of course, Harry, only knowing Hagrid for, for the little time that he does, already really respects him, already really trusts him, already really confides in him. And, well, and he's like this guide into this new world for Harry. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's, he's like treated... Literally the only like responsible adult who's been nice to him right. his entire life. He's treated Harry more like family than anybody that he can mm-hmm. recall has. Because he doesn't remember his parents, but anybody that he has encountered in his, in his years on this planet, Hagrid, in the 24 hours that he's known him, has shown more... Uh, affection and love toward him than, than anybody else has. And Harry kind of gets really proud because the boy sees Hagrid and basically just sees him as this uh, gr- you know scruffy, dirty, giant man who you know is lower class than he is based on just the way he looks. And Harry gets kind of proud because he knows who that is and the boy doesn't. I said, well, that's Hagrid. He's the gameskeeper at Hogwarts. <laughs> Didn't you know that? Oh, and, and then of course, the, the boy's like, mm. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. He's like a servant. Uh, and he's I've a drunk. I've heard of him. He's always drunk. And, and he, he tries to do magic when he's he not can't. supposed to, and he just lights his bed on fire when he does. Yeah. So again, we touch on Hagrid's drinking problem. Yeah. Um... But, you know. But Harry can't wait to get away from this boy. Yeah. And he's glad when his when his fitting is, is finally done. And Hagrid um, decides that um, before they move on to their next thing, he wants to buy Harry a little birthday present. And it's probably the first birthday present he's ever gotten <laughs> in his life. Yes. And uh, where does but Hagrid take him? he knows ta- of. And ha- where does Hagrid take him? Hagrid takes him to the Owlery to get a pet. And he tells him uh, that the toads are out of fashion, so you can't get a toad. Can't get a toad. Because you'll be laughed at. And cats make him sneeze, so he says he's going to buy Harry an owl. Plus, they're super helpful. Yeah. And- they can like carry. Practical. They can bring your mail bring to your you. Mail, carry messages. He even says later on, you know, when he drops Harry back off at the house, he says, "Hey man, if the Dursleys give you any trouble, send your owl with a message to me." Couldn't do that with a cat. Nope. I actually wrote down when I was when I was reading because I was going to ask you which pet would you choose. I mean, now we've kind of made it a very obvious answer, but which what would you choose? I mean, a, a dog's not an option. No, right? that's okay. very depressing. Cause, yeah, cause but I'm, that would take up a lot of space. Uh, you can't obviously get a cat because you're allergic. I think if I was a wizard, I could take a tonic or something. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> but... You have to take a, a tonic every day, probably, yeah. to, to, uh, 
Uh, uh, there might be some some kind of enchantment you can do on the cat itself to for its uh, to repel its <laughs> rec- dander. Rec- yeah, to control its dander. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the owl is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the just being able to uh, just send messages, you know, anywhere. I think makes it a preferable. There are public animal. owls that you can use. Yeah. But if you have your own, then you can send your own. Yeah. But that's like going to the public golf course, or. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm, it is, but I've, I've never been golfing, so I, I don't just, know. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, okay, I, think, I was just curious. I think which, the owl. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, have to go owl. Last stop on our trip is probably the most important one, and that's uh, Ollivander's Wand oh, Shop. Yes, the big one. And you would think that a place as important as a wand shop would be, I don't know, I was just imagining like going into like a fancy jewelry store or something like that with like, you know, marble floors and, you know, but it's kind of... The opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a small, narrow, rickety, dark, signs like, peeling off, dusty, eerie kind of place. And Harry and ha- and uh, Hagrid are both actually kind of caught off guard and scared a little bit when they hear Mr. Ollivander for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of catch their attention. And the cool thing I think about uh, Ollivander is the fact that he remembers every Everything. single one that he has sold to anybody in the time that he's been uh, is he a, he's a wand maker or just no. a wand retailer no he makes them so he he crafts he's, them he's been there forever i think that's why the store is old and run down because he's literally been there forever like everybody in the story will be like I remember when I went to Ollivander's when I was your age, and it's like, oh, good heavens, how old is this man? Um, but... I mean, he, re- he remembers... Well, first of all, he knows who Harry Potter is. Yes. He and knows Hagrid. the whole. He knows the whole story. Um, and, of course, he remembers Hagrid because he gave Hagrid his wand mm-hmm. when Hagrid was a Hogwarts student. And he even knows... And I think his was like 13 inches. That was the... The biggest wand that they mentioned out of all the, you know, they had some like, try this one, it's seven inches. Oh, your father's wand was nine inches. Oh, this wand was 11 and a half inches. And of course, Hagrid's wand was 13 inches and uh, well, be, like little, little, big, little, big fella. little be- bendy, probably, uh, uh, probably a little bit more uh, flexible to make it a little bit more durable because Hagrid. He's probably going to sit on it. Yeah, Hagrid is not a. No, um, not the most graceful of people and probably, you know, kind of just like, you know, throws his wand down a lot when he's looking for something else or kind of just folds it up and shoves it into his pocket. No, that's more, it's more like the personality of the wand. Mm-hmm. That it's flexible or it's rigid. It's, mm-hmm. it's the personality of the wand is what that's actually referring to. And, but, I, yeah, and the main thing that, that I got from the chapter was that the the wizard does not choose the wand. It's the wand that picks the wizard. Mm-hmm. And explain that a little bit. There's not much to explain. They don't go really into detail with it, except for, you know, that the wand, like we touched on, it has its own personality. 
each wand has things that it's good at. Like her, his mother's was good at charms. Mm -hmm. Dad's was at transfiguration. They have things that they're good at, just like people. They're just like they have their own little personality. Things they're good at, things they're not as good at, um, and so they're going to bond to a certain person. And I think it said that you can use another wizard's wand, but it's not going to be nearly as effective as the wand yeah. that chose you. won't you. get good results. Right, exactly. And Which is important later, absolutely, by the way. Absolutely. And, and Ollivander remembers uh, Harry Potter's parents uh -huh. and the wands that they had. Like you said, that uh, his mom's wand was... And, and in... Um, as a result, she was actually good at charms, mm -hmm. and Dad was good at transfiguration because that's the personality that the wand had, and the wand chose the wizard. And then together, the combination makes them good at those things. And he also remembers that, and kind of has a regretful moment when he remembers that he was the one who gave, sold the wand to Voldemort, mm -hmm. you know who. And that was actually the one that, and he even points at and touches the scar on Harry's head. And he and he's he gets kind of down for a second. And like if I had known that 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 one of my creations was going to do it's that so to you much, yeah. and and be a part of this you know evil wizard and and be a part of killing your parents. And he kind of has to. I think he has to kind of pull himself back from that because if he thought about every bad thing that was done with one of his wands, yes. he probably would lose his mind. Yeah, and I mean, if he's been doing it for so many years and all the wizards go to mm -hmm. Ollivander's, all of them, I mean, he can't be responsible for... I think about all the criminals that are locked up that, you know, used his wands and, and then the baddest of the bad, mm -hmm. you know, used one of his wands. But where else was he going to go? You know, it's yeah. not like they're like picking his wands because they're going to go do bad things. Yeah. And it's not, not like he knows that they're going to go do bad things. You know, and, they get them when they're children. Yeah. And a lot of them, they might be smarmy little kids, but that like doesn't mean... the one that, in the robe shop? Yeah. But that doesn't mean essentially that they're going to grow up and be evil. Yes. You know, probably. Probably. But... <laughs> <laughs> but they still have a time to turn it around. And uh, we kind of have a cool scene, which I wanted you to expound on a little bit, where Ollivander questions... Well, he knows that Hagrid was expelled from Hogwarts. He knows that they broke <laughs> his wand. Yes, and as he, is tradition. And he wonders, well, Hagrid, why don't you use the pieces of the no. wand? No, he says... He, Hagrid says... He said, so he broke your wand, right? And Hagrid said, yes. I still have the pieces, though. He goes, you don't use them, Oh, do is that you? how he said it? Okay. Yes, no, that would, because it's not reliable. It's broken. Gotcha. It's not, not going to be reliable. So it was more of a, a warning to, well, all right, your wand was broken. Make sure you, you don't use them. But then Hagrid kind of clutches his umbrella a little yes, tighter. Yes, and we've been wondering about that umbrella. So tell me your again your theory on the... I'm pretty sure the pieces of his broke, busted wand are in his umbrella. Because he is able to do some cool things with that umbrella. Yeah, he does a little bit of magic, but never exactly what he wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted to turn Harry's cousin into a pig, and we end up with just a tail. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said, it's it's broken. It's just pieces, so it's not reliable. But it's, it's 
it could be kind of his way of hiding the fact that he still is sort of using the broken pieces of this wand, mm-hmm. but disguising They're it camouflaged, in the yeah. form of, of this umbrella, which I, I think is, is kind of cool. But then we get to the really interesting part, which is the selection of Harry's wand. And we see Harry, you know, try this wand, and he holds it over his head, and before he even has a second to wave it around, Ollivander's like, nope, it's not that one. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like... You get you know, this feeling he, there's some, something should happen instantly. Yeah. As soon as he touches it, which is different from the movie, which is, you know, such an... I mean, it's not, because when he finally does find the right one, we get the, the light and the wind and his hair and everything. But he tries out several with different things, and it isn't until those go poorly that Ollivander's like, mm, nope, probably not that one. Yeah. But, and even in... Uh, Orlando, when you go and do the little Ollivander shop. At uh, Universal Studios. Yes. Which is amazing. There was a lot in this chapter. I was like, oh, I remember doing that at Orlando. I remember going through the brick wall into Diagon Alley. I remember all the shops. I remember walking up and seeing Gringotts. No. Yeah. Standing up above everything. And you actually get to talk to the to the goblin. Yes, and the money and exchange. He, he answers your questions and uh, highly recommended to any Harry Potter fans out there. And just a little quick uh, fun story about when we went to Ollivander's. Uh, we went with uh, my brother, shout out to Andrew, and our friend Chelsea, and we were all dressed in our uh, Quidditch robes. Yes, and so of course. You know, these were robes that were specially made by a friend of ours, and they're not. And there's there's hundreds of people there in robes because you know Universal, they sell them Universal Studios is making money hand over fist selling them. But you know, we kind of got hundred dollar robes. You know, some special looks because we were in unique robes that were different from everybody else's, and so that kind of played out when we went into Ollivander's because they have a little presentation that they do and. Ollivander comes out and talks about how the wand chooses the wizard and there's like a little special effects thing and then they always pick a couple of people usually just one they usually pick one adorable little child child usually and so I think a lot of the children that were there so I think some of them had probably been there before and didn't get picked and we're probably thinking this was going to be their time and some of them had probably heard that you might get picked and they were going in there so of course who does Ollivander pick but the two the two pretty ladies grown women wearing (laughs) the Quidditch robes in our defense we're really short and I thought that was perhaps freaking hilarious that these little kids did not get picked (laughs) And that you got this experience that you'll remember forever, and you got to uh, do enchantments on things, and the mm-hmm. uh, and things went horribly awry. Yes, we <laughs> killed flowers and made papers go flying, and drawers pop open, and these were all experiences that you took away from a small child, <laughs> and you couldn't be happier about it. So, uh, if you've been, go again. If you haven't been, definitely go. But we finally get the wand that works for Harry, and red and gold sparks shoot out when he waves it, and Hagrid smiles, and Ollivander is is happy. But there's something very significant and kind of creepily significant about that wand. And explain what that is. 
Um, Alvander explains that that wand has a brother wand. Mm-hmm. It has a phoenix tail feather that, core. That particular phoenix only gave two tail feathers. And so Ollivander took those two tail feathers and made brother wands. They have different lengths, different wood, different personalities. But at their core... At their core, they're from the same creature. Mm-hmm. Same phoenix. And the other one is Voldemort's wand. You know who's you know who. wand. The, the wand that killed his parents, Carrie's parents. The wand that scarred him for life. The wand that is wielded by the most evil uh, wizard. An extremely powerful wizard. Nobody could really defeat him. So, you know, they're they're expected. It's it's expected as he, you know, Harry's getting all these things laid on him that he's going to be destined for great things, big things. He's going to be super powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot. He's shrinking even more now. Mm -hmm. And, and that kind of leads to, when we wrap up the chapter here, something I mentioned earlier, is that this has all been a, a very um, big day for Harry and the fact that it's been super overwhelming and a lot of things at one time. And I think the boy in the robe shop, you know, kind of draws on that a little bit where, you know, could you imagine, you know, not learning about, you know, Hogwarts or the Wizarding World until you got your letter? I mean, could could you imagine that? And when when this boy in the in the robe shop has had his whole life kind of be groomed for this moment, and Harry's had all this dropped on him in the last less than twenty four hours. Yeah. And not only that, not only does ever, is he famous, and even Mister Ollivander, the famous wand maker, knows who he he is. And even a pro, in the Leaky Cauldron, one of the the professor of the dark arts at Hogwarts can't even talk to Harry without stammering because he's so nervous in his presence. And he says he says that he's the professor of defense against the dark arts, yeah. but you wouldn't even need to take that class is basically what he's saying. Yeah. Like, I, like, I you've can't already, teach you anything. You've already defended the darkest of the dark arts yeah. by just laying there. Yeah, so it's just like you're, there's so much pressure on him. And, and Harry kind of has a little bit of an ident- identity crisis here. You know, why am I so famous? Why are there all these expectations on me? I don't even know magic. I didn't even know magic existed. I can't do any spells. He was actually looking at a book about how, like, how to do, um, you know, these pranks because he wanted to, like, learn these pranks to pull on on Dudley. And Hagrid told him, "Well, you you can't do those yet. You you still have to learn, you know, basic incantations and things like that." And. And on top of that, the wand that he has has a brother, essentially, and its its brother is the wand that gave that scarred him, that took his parents away from him, that is wielded by the darkest of the dark lords ever in the history of magic. That he just this world that he just learned about. But thank goodness he's got Hagrid with him too to cheer him up a little, to reassure him. Buy him a hamburger. And that's and that's all we really want is when we're feeling down, just a burger. Just give me a burger. <laughs> and you know, Hagrid, you know, tells him, You're gonna you don't know anything, but neither does anybody else that, that shows up on that first day. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they might know what Quidditch is, they might know um, 
they might have parents that um, are famous wizards, but they're not going to know any, you know, spells that you don't know. They're not going to know. They're they're all going to school for the first time. Yeah, you know? I mean, they're really not supposed to practice magic mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. Until they go to Hogwarts. So they shouldn't, I'm sure some do a little bit, but they shouldn't be doing magic spells or anything. So sure. yeah, they're starting on the same page. And then there was also something I read about, you know, a lot of the wizard-born kids, they don't go to school. So they don't get that socialization. And they the... don't get just the base. I mean, mm-hmm. they're like homeschooled yeah. till they go to Hogwarts. Yeah. And so I'm sure certain higher up wizarding families make sure their kids are properly educated but then there are others that not so much yeah so they're behind on reading and writing and math whereas harry's had all that foundation and which of those are i mean those are all things that you have to at least have a bit of a basic knowledge in if you're going to be able to read a spell book and you know you might be behind in reading Mm -hmm. you you need to be able to to know you know, measurements and fractions and things like that in order to potions. make potions. And you you might have, you know, missed out a little bit on that because you've been kind of coddled your whole life. So, you know, Harry's kind of got, you know, a lot of, you know, tough love over the years and maybe, you know, build up a little bit of street smarts and a little bit of book smarts along the line there. So that might kind of give him a little bit of a, a an edge yeah. going into it. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, Hagrid gives uh, Harry his ticket. First of September, King's Cross. We're going to Hogwarts. We're going to Hogwarts. Yeah. So, anything else you want to say about uh, Chapter Five, Diagon Alley? Um, just how do you think it compared to the movie? I mean, that was. I mean, I, you could probably speak more to it, better to it than I can, because I think I've only seen, seen the movie, the movie. In a while. I've only seen, and I've only seen them once ever, <laughs> other than like bits and pieces. Like when they're on TV, but you know, usually when I catch them on TV, it's usually the later, later in the yeah in the saga, uh, not so much. But you know, my kind of uh, what I saw in my head when I was reading the book was the Universal Studios. Yeah, even having <laughs> seen the movie Alley. a bunch, I was still picturing Diagon Alley yeah. at Universal because. I think it's just a totally different experience. You, you've been to these places. You've been inside these shops, mm-hmm. and um, you've taken the privilege of having a wand chosen for you from small children. I've you've done these to things. goblins. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, that's I pictured that a lot, and I think that they did a really good job doing those. You know. And I know they modeled most of that after the movie, mm-hmm. so it all kind of meshes together. Sure. But, and I think this section of the movie does follow pretty close, mm-hmm. too, because there's so much. This is your first experience seeing the world, so I think they really wanted to get that right and be completely, you know, immersed in that part of it. I got you. Uh, so, any thoughts that you have... Uh, maybe even comparisons between the movies and the books or maybe if you've even experienced the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios and you have um, comparisons there send us emails at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com or if you want a delicious recipe for frozen butterbeer and it is delicious. It is delicious. It's really good. We've had it a lot. Lately. I might actually whip up a batch when we get done recording Yay! here. Yay! 
send uh, me an email at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. But other than that, I think we are uh, about done. Unless there's about anything out. else you want to We're going to get some hate mail from some, from some Slytherins. Probably. You know, the and we're probably going to get some hate group too. We're probably going to get some hate mail because we went over an hour here. Ooh, sorry guys. And we we said at the beginning we were it was gonna a try, long chapter. We were going to try to keep it to 20, 20 to thirty minutes, but it was a long chapter. And the next one is going to be a long chapter too because I already looked at it. It's like twenty three uh, pages, so be prepared to uh, to sit down for a while. But this is actually a good thing because. Uh, my brother Andrew listens to I was these. just gonna say that. Tell me please. <laughs> uh, when he when he does his three and a half hour drives from between St. Louis and Springfield. So he would probably be pleased that we uh, went a little long here. Yeah. So yeah. that's okay. Took, took up some more drive time. So uh, like I said, thanks for everybody for downloading. Um, you probably found this uh, podcast on iTunes, but it's also available on Google Play for those of you that have uh, Android devices. Uh, we will be back next time with chapter six of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone so until then i am dan rhino the hufflepuff jessica rhino the ravenclaw and we will see you next time Magic that you weave.